everyone. Welcome to episode 57 of Tuesdays with Perry. We're going to get Perry on the line in just a minute. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be discussing uh, the crisis in the Middle East. Obviously, uh, Perry is, well, Perry is a self-described Zionist. He supports the state of Israel. Um, So I'm going to talk to him a little bit about that and the obvious nature of the crisis, which seems to be hurtling us towards World War III. Uh, Iran has stepped up attacks. Uh, The U.S. is talking about evacuating Americans from the Middle East. So it looks, and China and Russia have increased interest in supporting Iran in this wedge issue, this divisive issue, this divisive crisis in the Middle East. So we're gonna get Perry on the line in just a moment. So, and then I also wanna talk a little bit about um, leftist Jews uh, are having problems with the left pushing the Palestinian issue, Palestinian statehood, and you can see it, uh, academia across the country and and elite colleges have been pushing, um, well, have been pushing uh, the Palestinian side of the issue even after the terrorist attacks by Hamas, which are really undefensible, but um, it seems to be a crisis of morals, as Bill Maher had said uh, on his show, Uh, I believe it's real time. So let's get Perry on the line and see what he has to say about uh, all of this. I might even talk a little bit about Joe Biden, but we'll see. on the line to talk about the crisis. There you are. <laughs> How are you, my friend? What's happening? Well, it's just been a, another day down here in sunny Florida. It's still sunny down there? Is it at night? <laughs> um, only, only the liberals. <laughs> it's always sunshiny to all conservatives. Well, even even when it rains, we say it's nothing but liquid sunshine. Nice, nice. So, <laughs> you, you know what we're going to talk about today, uh, and, and I'm going to let you talk freely about this. Um, you are a, a friend of mine who happens to be Jewish, and you are a supporter of Israel. Um, do you consider yourself a Zionist? Okay, and so we all, everybody's aware of what's happening in the Middle East. Uh, you've agreed with me on the side here that this is possibly a let it happen on purpose, and we've kind of been dissecting why this is happening, but it seems to be hurtling us towards World War III. Um, that we, had, we do have a lot of issue here with Iran uh, seemingly, seemingly already attacking uh, U.S. troops, and um, there is some interest by China and Russia to see uh, a, a Middle East war kick off here because that'll provide cover for both Russia and China. If China does indeed to go after, uh, you know, it looks like they want to go after Taiwan. 
Um, but this would uh, provide cover for that as well. And um, so there's a lot of people, including the CIA, saying Iran is, is ripe for attack. And then I want to talk a little bit about uh, what's happening on campuses around the United States that you have uh, the academics are producing, I don't know what's producing these swaths of the student body that support Palestine even after the horrific terrorist attacks, because it really was terrorist attacks that Hamas launched on October 7th because they went after uh, children, uh, women and children, not just uh, IDF sites. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about the colleges, how it seems to be even leftists, uh, leftist Jews like Bill Barr saying that what are the colleges doing indoctrinating children into a, really what it seems to be a moral crisis, ignoring a, a heinous terrorist attack and still supporting the Palestinian cause, uh, much to the chagrin of, of Jewish students on campus. And then I want to talk about uh, World War Three seems to be creeping closer and how this benefits the world power blocks, uh, Iran, um Uh, China and uh, Russia and obviously Syria is going to get into the mix. Uh, They've been targeted by the West as well. And how you got to look at little rocket man too. Yeah. And so there is an, there is a dividing line, the axis of evil, I guess you could say, um, uh, uh, you know, getting ready to take on the West and NATO. You had uh, French, President uh, Emmanuel Macron saying, you know, they need to have an alliance to fight against Hamas. Well, it's it's going to be a NATO alliance, a Western alliance against what seems to be shaping up as uh, BRICS plus. Mm-hmm. That's right. So that's uh, right. Uh, what what do you think about uh, what's happening? Obviously, there's a crisis in, in morals on campus, uh, uh, and there seems to be uh, this this bitter feud on the left. They don't know what to do about uh, the Palestinian question. And um, it seems to be uh, looking like World War III. Uh, what do you make of all this? Do you think there's they're going to be making glass out there in the desert? Um, unfortunately, yes. I, um, I look at the events that not only have proceeded ten. Uh, 10-7, but all the events that preceded 10-7 um, since Uncle Joe took um, the oath of office in, in 2021. And this goes back to what my former rabbi who brought me back to faith almost a quarter century ago um, warned all of us um, in 1999 or 2000, somewhere around there, he said, all of you here tonight are thrilled with the events that have taken place in recent years uh, with regard to the collapse of the, uh, the Iron Curtain and then, of course, the tearing down of the Berlin Wall. But that was a sign. According to this rabbi, he said that was the beginning of the end of days because 
the forces of evil were going to be released. And, you know, you can get into the seven seals, you can get into Deuteronomy, you can get into all these different chapters and verses in the Bible. But he did say to us, the days ahead of us, now this was, like I said, a quarter century ago, are going to be dark days for the world, but especially for the United States. Now, when you fast forward that, and that's always sat in the back of my mind ever since he said that, because I thought the greatest thing that ever happened in my lifetime was the collapse of the evil empire and the reunification of the German people. And he was telling me, no, it's not. And I I was conflicted. So when I look at that, and then I look at all the things that transpired since the millennial, and now I look at what's going on, and I'm not even talking about what's happened inside our country in the last quarter century. I'm just talking about what's happened in world events. And when you add all these things up, Rudy, it doesn't, it doesn't bode well for, for people to have smiles on their faces in the coming days and years. Mm. And it doesn't give me any joy or satisfaction of any kind to say that to you tonight and for your listeners to hear those words come from my lips, but it is prophesized. And so, um, you know, I came to terms with that a long time ago before I listened to the inner voice and moved my family out to the woods more than a decade ago. And now it's coming full circle. I was told there would be absolute chaos in the cities and I thought we already saw that. It's going to get a lot worse. Yeah. And, you know, I had a friend of mine. He's a, he's um, a damn Yankee like me. He, he was from, he is originally from Rochester, a uh, professional fisherman. And um, he recently moved from the Orlando area out to the woods north of the Ocala Forest in the backseated areas of Ocala, Florida. And he and I spoke yesterday on the phone for the first time in weeks. And he said, he asked me, what plans did we have for the, for the acreage that we acquired on the other side of the street from our property? And I said, well, I told you, my neighbor and I have already decided we're going to turn that into farmland. And we're, you know, we're going to have, we're going to stock animals and, and what have you. And he says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that because, um, hold on one second, Rudy. Josie, the problem with having felines and canines in the same house is that they don't always get along with each other. Right. Um, so getting, getting back to what I was just pointing out. So I, I said to my buddy, Gary, I said, why do you ask? He said, because you were right we're getting ready to. And I don't have the land that you have. So I just needed to know if it, if it push comes to shove. And I said, you mean when? And he said, yeah, when I said, we all work together. There'll be food for everyone. Provided we have enough ammunition to protect. (laughs) (laughs) But, but what, but Rudy, what, 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 what I'm pointing out to you here is, here is a black man who poo-pooed everything people like me were saying to him 
in 2016 and in 2020. Right. And now, because he has an open mind, okay, not that he's a black man, he's an educated man. He's got his college degree. And he's, he's seen the world through the, almost the same prism I have as, as he grew up. And there's, there's 17 years between us, but, and he's my junior. But now he's beginning to see, based on the events of the day and what's happening in the Middle East, and getting back to that point now, um, you were asking the question, do I think that our, our adversaries would take advantage of our interest and our attention being drawn to the Middle East. Well, first of all, we're the ones that created it. Yeah. We're the ones that created this need to be attent attentive of what's happening in the Middle East. And yes, they are going to take advantage of it. I said to you last year, my biggest fear, and this is when you and I first started talking on your show back in August of last year. I said, my biggest fear with having the Chinese see how we, we cut tail and run and left Americans behind in Afghanistan in 2021, mm. you know, it was Mao Zedong. And then of course, in the 1960s, his, uh, protege Ho Chi Minh, who said the United States is a paper tiger. Yeah. And this was another point. And when you have, uh, the PLA, better known as the People's Liberation Army of China, when you have their, their four-star generals, I don't mean one, mm. I don't mean two, there are several, and there's also an admiral, and one of these or two of these gentlemen also teaches in the um, universities, and they are saying, we'll make mincemeat of the Americans if they challenge us over Taiwan. Yeah. They're not saying it to bloviate. Right. They're saying it because they believe it. Yeah. And when when you look at how we're setting Taiwan up to fall, um, yeah, I I believe I believe that um I, I said to you back in last August, look, my fear is come October one we have to be paying attention to Taiwan. And the reason for that is that's supposedly when the monsoon season and the rough seas in the South China Sea slow down and the Chinese would never make a move anywhere inside that part of the world having to fight Mother Nature. They would yeah. much rather, you know, proper military planning tells you, dictates to you when to launch an attack from, from, the, from the standpoint of weather. Right. So we're now in October. And, you know, that would be the mother of all October surprises. And, you know, I said to you off mic, I don't know if it was over the weekend or maybe, maybe it was yesterday. I said, why, why is it we only have one, maybe two aircraft carriers anywhere near that part of the world? Yeah. We need to park in front between mainland China in the Straits of China. We need to park at least one carrier group between China and Taiwan, right. not 
Yeah, I know that. My wife is just pointing out that the Chinese now have six um, uh, military ships, six naval ships uh, in the Mediterranean Sea, basically shadowing our our uh, our navy. Yeah, and th- that's that's they they telegraphed that they said they were going to put six ships out there, and they're there to monitor us. That's that's yeah. something I expected, but. My point being with Taiwan, we're not paying any attention to Taiwan right now, but I guarantee you that Xi and his generals are. And we don't have military assets in place to prevent them from risking a launch. China doesn't want a war with us today. That's going to change in 20 years. But today, even though they outnumber us with ships and they outnumber us by the man, they are not technologically nor in a standpoint of where they can overwhelm us. And a, a military force, and I'm saying this because this is what military people have told me, basically has to be a 6 to 10 to 1 ratio. Right. If you are going to launch an attack, you have to outnumber the defenders of whatever it is you're trying to conquer by a factor of six to 10 men to one. Right. And that, and, and they don't have that yet, yep. but what, what they do have is the capability to put a whooping on us yep. and, and, and make us um, maybe two or three battle groups lighter that, and we can't afford that because yeah. they're producing five battle cruisers a year or ba- battleships and not, in the trip, not in the Iowa class standard, but uh, you know, cruisers, frigates, they're producing five of these every three months. Yeah, we're, we're producing two to three a year. A year, yeah, okay. Yeah, we that... don't have, yeah, we don't have the ability from, from a, uh, a um, an industrial complex standpoint to maintain even parity with the Chinese. 20 years from now. Well, I don't think they have the will. Uh, we don't have the will either because China is a very purposeful adversary. They yeah. are they are nose to the grindstone thinking about how to outdo us, outflank us militarily on a day-to-day basis. And um, if we get distracted in the Middle East or something happens in the Middle East that might weaken us even further, they might look at it as an opportunity. And, and, once, and once Taiwan is surrounded, it, it might be difficult. So, you know, Russia would fortify their uh, buffer zone in the Donbass and um, China would, you know, basically cut off Taiwan. I don't think they would like you know, land troops there, military invasion, but cut it off from like embargo from any Western assistance. Um, and I think they'd just probably starve it out and then see what we would do. Um, so, and Iran, my problem also is China and Russia are both nuclear powers that are looking to assist Iran. They might be able to speed up if, if Iran hasn't acquired already a nuclear weapon, um, so that's my worry. There is a is a is an exchange. Well, where do you think the Iranians got the knowledge? It didn't come from the United States. There was no no Rosenberg couple in this situation to give them uh, plans to the bomb. Yeah. It came mostly from China, 
but it also came from Russia as well. So they have a lot to benefit from. First of all, they don't have to lift a finger to create all kinds of chaos for us because they're going to have their surrogate, the Ayatollahs, do it for them. Right. So, you know, it's almost, you remember the old board game Stratego? Of course. (laughs) Okay. And, and, and so if we were to pull out the board and, and, and make it look like a map of today's world, that's what's taking place right now. The yeah. chess piece pieces on the board are being moved around. And I don't agree with you with regard to China and Taiwan. I honestly believe it will start with a, 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 a naval blockade. And then before we even have ships in place to challenge them, they will attack and put forces on Taiwan. Right. And, and the reason being is they can easily overpower them with us not being there. Right. Plus, right. you know, contrary to what everybody says, including what Uncle Joe says, yeah. if you remember, he scared the bejesus out of Chi last year when he said on Mike, if China were to attack Taiwan, we would come to their defense. Right. Well, we don't have that policy. Contrary to what Uncle Joe said, right. <laughs> all we will do is well, supply them arms. Right, we have the one China policy. <laughs> we have the one China policy. Yeah, so, yeah well, you might be right. 100,000 paratroopers into Taiwan, that would kind of seal the deal <laughs> right away. Right. You With know? that, and don't forget, they've got Generation 5 aircraft that yeah. they can circle like a hornet's nest, yeah. and and they can cut us off. Yeah. They can cut us off. And then the question becomes, uh, for the United States, is this worth going to war with China? Right. Well, And you I, have to ask yourself that. Yeah, and then if we come sailing into the rescue and they just put a couple uh, air-to-ship uh, missiles you know, and sink a couple aircraft carriers, then what, you know, then what's going to happen? Then what, right. Then then what retaliation do we have? Yeah. I mean, they're going to push the oopsies button and say, it's not our fault. We warned you not to come in and you sent sent the ships and we thought those were Taiwanese ships and oopsies. Yeah, well, sorry. Um, So what do you think, uh, what do you think is going to happen? I know you're pro-Israel, um, but the wild card here, here is Iran. They're already acting erratic. Um, what do you think their next move is going to be? I mean, regardless of whether the IDF goes into Gaza or not, um, what do you think uh, Iran's next move is? Because that seems to be the linchpin. Um, and I don't think they're going to call uh, Moscow or Beijing to ask. I think they're just going to do their own thing. Well, I... I, I agree to an extent with you, um, but one thing I don't agree with, they're not acting erratic at all. They're acting very predictable. And, and that's, that, again, has to do with Afghanistan. They, you know, when, not for nothing, and I don't want to have to keep going back to Donaldus Magnus, but geez, when he took out Soleimani, the Iranians got really scared. Yeah. Really scared. Yeah, they were. They didn't start getting crazy and started doing all this shooting, Houthi rebels shooting at American ships and all that kind of stuff. That's right. And, and again, there was a reason for that. 
you know, the last time the Iranians um, took American sailors prisoner was under Obama. It wasn't under Trump. It wasn't under any other Republican um, administration. It was only under um, Obama. And now we see with, with, with Biden, you know, we have forces in Syria and we haven't been told this, but we have to worry about whether or not any of our soldiers or Marines are going to be taken captive. And if they are, they're going back to Tehran. Right. They're not going to be kept in, in Syria. Right. And I think that's the plan because they, they just released a report. There were a dozen injured in the recent drone attacks on the American bases in Syria and Iraq and, um, you know, the Soleimani hit was, um, that was a result, that was actually uh, in uh, response to Iran attacking U.S. troops in Syria. And that's actually when that contractor and a serviceman got killed. Um, well, that's right. Right. So it wasn't that it was just a tar- target of opportunity. It was a target of opportunity, and it was also in response to the really harassment more than an attack, but two people did die. That's right. Well, so, but, after, so, but after that, um, after that was crickets, you know, we were not having rocket attacks right. or anything. And that, and, and, and that kind of segues me back to what's happening with Israel and the Palestinians, specifically Hamas and the Iranians up in the Lebanese on the Lebanese border known as Hezbollah. Okay. Every time, you know, they get their noses bloodied, they stop. Right. And, you know, it's, I think your approach to this is the Teddy Roosevelt approach and Israel being the gunship, carry a big stick, but walk gently. Actually, it's just the opposite. But my point being, that doesn't work now. And the reason why it doesn't work goes back to what you and I talked about two weeks ago with regard to the history, and we're not going to discuss that tonight, but the history of uh, the modern Palestinian movement for statehood, first under um, Yasser Arafat, and now you have the fracturing of, of the Palestinian liberation movement where his, his following is now known as the Fatah movement. It's still PLO, but it's known as the Fatah movement. And they're the ones that are at a very tense peace on the West Bank with Israel. And there's intermingling of Arab and Jew and Muslim and Christian in Jerusalem, throughout all of Jerusalem. Okay. That is not what exists in Gaza, and that's why there's a 40-foot-high wall. And there's only one way to fix that now. And I think that's coming. I also believe that BB has had an arm-twisting of sorts between the Brits and the Americans when both leaders came to visit him. Uh, last week in in uh, the Israeli version of the Situation Room. And 
both the Brits and the Americans said, look, you do what you got to do, but you're not taking it back. You got to figure out a way to get rid of Hamas. We understand, but that's Palestinians land and it needs to stay in the hands of the Palestinians. And so the, the eventual um, invasion when it comes, regardless of whatever decision the Israelis have already made to invade or not invade, the only thing that's going to affect the Iranians is if they invade, we're going to open up a multi-pronged front war on Israel. And whatever we can do from our homeland, we will do. That means you're going to have um, militants coming from the south, Gaza, from the north, right, and from Gaza. Lebanon, yeah, Lebanon and uh, uh, the Golan Heights in Syria. Right. Apparently, there were some recently some rockets shot from Syria that hasn't been confirmed, but it has been reported. Um, so I want to take just five more minutes because I, we can't go too long tonight because by the time I, I, I'll put the video and get it up, it's going to be late. Um, so I just want to get five minutes from you on what's going on in academia and some of these, um, Ivy league schools, um, but in the streets of New York, (laughs) but at a lot of, uh, colleges, um, you have, you're having dueling protests that, uh, NPR is reporting here, U.S. students are clashing over Israel-Hamas war. What can colleges do? So, and also, um, I read a couple columns that um, the students, no matter what side they are, they want the college to fall behind whatever group they represent. And usually, like in the 60s and stuff, the colleges were, you know, they just were neutral. You could say whatever you want, but we're certainly not going to back your point of view. But... Bill Maher and others have come out now and they've said uh, these colleges are indoctrinating kids to be into critical theory, really, which is postmodern doctrine. Um, And so whatever's established, they're against that. So they're against the state of Israel. uh, A lot of student groups are supporting the state of Palestine. Um, and nobody can figure out why, because there's a, there's the moral question of supporting people who engage in terrorism, and that is the killing of innocent women and children. And I know people could say, oh, well, Israel does that by indiscriminate bombing, what have you. But um, there is the question that it, 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 it's been obvious in the reported media what Hamas did um, although they did strike some IDF ta- targets, you know, they kidnapped people that were at a rave, at a concert, uh, that weren't really combatants. They targeted people in their households, cutting throats of women and children and whatnot. Um, so how, how do you explain uh, students uh, supporting this cause? Um, and like Bill Maher said, that there's a problem in... in in the demoralization, um, and I mean that in the fact that immoral, taking an immoral stance and supporting things like um, political terrorism. Mm-hmm. Well, to people like I say, why are you surprised? <laughs> you are the one 
who encouraged all of this over the past 50 years. And this, this goes back to the Vietnam War and the protesters of the 1960s are not just the professorial elite of today's Ivy League schools. They're the ones running the schools. Yeah. So when you look at, and, and I'm using this name for generic purposes, when you have the Abby Hoffmans and the Saul Alinsky's of the 1960s, and I'm talking about in, as members of the student party like SDS, okay, which is where Bill, um, I almost said Bill Martin, it's not Bill Martin, <laughs> Bill Ayers yeah. and his wife were high up officers in SDS. These are the people who trained today's professors who are in their 40s and 50s. And therefore, those professors came to the world as it is and said, this is not good. I I want the world that John Lennon sung about in the, in the song, imagine, imagine no countries, imagine no religion, imagine no possessions. Those are the people that are running the fucking schools. So when you have that type of mentality running the upper echelons of education in our country today, and for that matter, you can you could you could say on the other side of the pond as well. Yeah. Okay, this is why you have students, even self-hating Jews. Uh, you know, I, I I read a story in in the Epic Times again this week. There was a picture. There was an obvious Palestinian. These are all all women. These are all students of of an Ivy League school. There were, there was a white Christian. They were all represented. There was, and I'm saying obviously a Jewish student because she was holding up the sign in the picture that said, this Jew stands with Palestine. Now, when you hate yourself and you hate your people and you hate the only country in the world that will take you with open arms when the when the world as we know it falls apart. And this goes back to what my rabbi from a quarter century ago said with regard to the falling of the wall in Berlin. There will come a time, even in this country, where Jews will be so hated and vilified that we will have no choice but to return to our homeland. Now, this is all prophesied. And from your reading of of the Bible, and I know I've gotten off track here a little bit, Rudy, but I want to go here. In in the Bible, it states, in order for the Messiah to return, hence why I am a Messianic Jew. I believe he has come, and I believe he will return. In order for the Messiah to return, every living Jew must be living within the boundaries of Israel. Well, my rabbi said... We all love our country, meaning the United States. We're all Americans. We just happen to be Jewish. 
we don't want anything bad to happen to our country. We'll die for this country. But what when the what will happen when the country says we don't want you anymore? Right. This is what's starting to happen. Okay. It started in the universities during the Weimar Republic. Let me remind your listeners of that. And the Weimar Republic had a lot. It wasn't solely and it wasn't the majority, but a large portion of, of the government of the Weimar Republic were Jewish intellectuals. And look what happened in, in 1933. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's coming. There was a there was a, a, a synagogue attack in New York over the weekend. Well, it sure as hell didn't come from some skinhead. Right. Okay. <laughs> the white supremacy is coming. For right. You. It's not white supremacy. It's- right. It's not white. All ten of them. Yeah. And 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 so when I see this and and. I don't know if I pointed this out to you on mic or if it was a private conversation you and I had in the last couple of weeks, but after the fall of the Shah, that was the beginning of opening the United States up, not just to Persians, which are Iranian, but to all Arab speaking people. And we encourage those who had a Western education and wanted a better life for themselves and for their families, regardless of faith, to consider the United States. We took them. Kind of like what we did, and we should have, and we should have taken more of the Afghanis. Because there were a lot of and there every Afghani for the for the most part, I don't know of any Christians that are born inside the borders of Afghanistan, but maybe there are. We have taken tens of thousands, and it shouldn't have been hundreds of thousands of Afghanis out of Afghanistan when we left, because those people, the ones that we left behind, are being punished. And I don't mean by a slap on the wrist. And so we did this in the 1970s under Jimmy Carter. And for that reason, because we did not want those Western-thinking Iranians to be slaughtered by the forces of the Ayatollahs who had assumed control of the country. Well, you know, when you let in the good, you let in some of the bad too. Yeah. And, and so we have a lot of pressure being put on this government, meaning the United States government, <clears throat> by two warring factions. The Jews and the Muslims over with regard to what's going on inside of Israel right now. 25 years ago, we did not have a large number of voting Muslim in this country. We do now. <laughs> yeah, we do. Look what, and, look what and, happened to London. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why it's called London stand. Yeah. And, and and so well, the mayor is Muslim. So. I, I just I was just going to say that yeah. I was just going to say that, and so and and I just want to get, read a, a headline really quick because we're going to have to cut it uh, short. And New York City seen spike in hate crimes with nearly sixty percent of acts targeting Jewish community since Hamas attack on Israel. 
And I'm telling you, those aren't a bunch of skinheads. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you slide on that since I already said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, um, you know, this, this is indeed happening. And there are a lot of people in this country um, that, for whatever reason, are, are targeting other people um, over what is happening in Israel. But it's, it's, it's coming from, it's, it's coming from a lot of different people, but the fact is supporting terrorism um, and for the professors in the university to keep at it, it's almost like stoking the fire of hate. Um, it's not, it's, it's coming from the left and there's, there's, we're going to have to talk about this next time. There is a splitting of Jews on the left because they don't understand why the left is supporting Hamas. Right. And so, right. And, 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 and that is something we should discuss next week. You're right. right. But we're, we're out of time for that now. So we will take that on. Uh, I want to look it into a little more. There is a lot of hate crime uh, happening, but like I said, from the very beginning of this, it's a divisive issue. And even uh, the mainstream media is pushing both sides and almost, uh, uh, drooling over the prospect of, of a greater war in the Middle East. Um, it looks like they might even be drooling over um, the opportunity to take a shot at Iran. So almost hoping that Iran will do something, um, you know, very aggressive. We'll see about and that. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that the same people who are egging on a Democratic president to start a war in the Middle East are the very same people a quarter century ago, actually now it's 30 years, 32 years ago, who screamed from the rooftops, no blood for oil. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Isn't that amazing? Well, the, the subjective idiots of postmodernism, uh, they're always hypocritical. They don't know, you know, it's cognitive dissonance. They don't know what the hell they're talking about because it's all in their head. If you come That's back right. to come back to reality, there are consequences for being wrong. Um, but I think we got to leave it there, Perry. Um, do you have anything to add before we, uh, before we cut out? And we're going to bring up next weekend um, the fact that there is a liberal, liberal split there uh, between uh, Jews and Muslims on, on the liberal side. So got anything else to add? Um, I have so much to add, but I'm not going to do that to you tonight. Right. So <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm going to, I'm going to write down notes, Mark things down that I want to cover. Yeah, do it. That's it. And then, and then we'll, we'll talk about it off, off mic. And then you'll say, okay, you Perry, you can have this, this, and this, but forget that. Cause we'll never get through everything else. We'll never but, get, I'm trying to limit it to half an hour. And I think we're at, we're at 38 minutes here. So. Um, I appreciate it, Perry. It was great to talk to you, and uh, we'll talk next week. Thanks a lot, Rudy. I look forward to it. Take care now. All right, you too. All right, there goes Perry. I, I believe it's episode 57, Tuesdays with Perry. Uh, that, was a, that was a good discussion. I want to get more into the left and, and what's going to happen with uh, mostly secular Jews on the left, but the Jewish community on the left, because there are a lot, and now they're going to be fighting with the Muslims. And, and how is the Biden administration going to spin it? Is it going to be the white supremacists join up with the Muslims to attack the Jews? Or 
So something weird's gonna happen, but things will blow up. Um, there will be more Islamic terrorism on U.S. soil. It'll be coming sooner than later, unfortunately, and hopefully there won't be a wider war uh, in the Middle East and globally because um, we know what that spells. I know uh, Perry was talking a little bit about the Bible. Uh, is, it, is it revelation time? Is it uh, the end time? Tell Megiddo. We'll see. All right, that's it for me. Tuesdays with Perry. Uh, check me out tomorrow, Rudy's Revelation. We'll see you next week.